as we come to the scriptures this morning. Father, thank you, Lord, that you are a God who cares about those who are lost. And Father, though we may, each of us, feel lost in different ways, we pray, Father, you would speak to us this morning, that we might answer your call and come home. And we pray, Lord, for all those who are yet to hear the call of your homecoming. We pray, Lord, that many would come to Christ in these weeks and months to come. We ask in your name. Amen. Amen. So we're going to be spending the next few weeks in this story. So um, I'm going to focus on one or two particular aspects of this story today, because uh, I don't want to ruin the next three sermons we've got to get through with more detail of the of the of the story. So today we're going to be thinking mostly about this idea of coming home and the idea of lostness. Lostness. I wonder uh, what the first film you can remember watching as a child was. The first film I can remember watching uh, with my family when I was a little boy was the film The Wizard of Oz. Do you remember the old Wizard of Oz film? I don't think they've remade that one yet. It's probably due a remake, isn't it? But uh, the old one, and do you remember at the end when Dorothy's been through all her adventures, but she's not yet back in Kansas? Do you remember what she says to get back to Kansas? She clicks her heels together three times and says what? There's no place like home. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. And then suddenly she gets whisked off uh, back to Kansas. And every time uh, Nick and others have been talking about this theme of homecoming, that's always what pops into my mind. There's no place like home. I wonder what that is for you. Where is home for you? Where is home for you? If you were to click your heels three times, where would you magically appear? On your favourite sofa in your living room? Back home, maybe in your childhood, in in the house you grew up in many years ago? I don't know. Homes and homecoming is so important to us as human beings. I don't know if you've thought about that or not. Knowing that you have a home is so important. And when we don't feel like we have a home, we feel a deep unease with life. Think about how many TV programs there are at the moment out there that are about finding the perfect home. There are people you can actually employ who will go out there and look for what your perfect home is. They'll understand, what, what, what do you like, countryside or city? Do you like big houses or small houses, cosy ones or modern ones and old or new, that kind of thing. And literally, there'll be people you can employ to go and find your perfect home. Coming home, homecoming, is so important to us all. Maybe some of us even have memories of our home not being a good place, perhaps, even. And you're still trying to strive for that idea of where is my true home? Well, the Bible puts it that all of us as human beings need to find our true home with God. And until we do, we will always feel restless. Even if you've got that nice cottage in the countryside, just as you like it. And even the nice warm feelings you feel about being there. The Bible still says, until you find your home with God, you'll always feel restless and lost. Lost. So this is what I want to think about for a moment. That this story really unpacks 
how and in what ways we do feel lost in life. I don't know if you've ever been lost before. Um, perhaps before the days of Satnav, you were lost quite a lot, <laughs> like I was. Uh, but some, uh, recently, I took my family um, to the cinema uh, to go, I can't remember what we were going to watch, some uh, family-friendly film. And um, uh, we went to the cinema. And if you know cinemas, there's a multiplex with many, many screens, isn't there? And um, they all look the same. They've got numbers above them. And I remember going in as a family, and there's a crowd of people, and we're all carrying our popcorn and things. And um, I think I said the number of what screen we're supposed to be in. And I went in with my family. We all found our seats where we were to sit in the cinema. It's all dark, isn't it? And I sat down, and we're just munching away our popcorn for a couple of minutes. And I sort of, I'll just do a number count. And I just looked at the row to see if my family's there. One, two, children... Three. I was missing little Stevie. Stevie wasn't there. And uh, Claire wasn't there either. I was just taking the kids. It was all on me. And I thought, oh, what's Claire going to say? That wasn't my first thing. My first thought was, where's Stevie? Uh, Panic kicked in. And obviously I start rushing out of the cinema. But you come outside and, you know, there's crowds. There's no one there. And, and it, probably the whole episode lasted maybe two minutes, but it felt like um, two hours, you know what I mean, that panic. And then finally I saw Stevie, he came through out of, out of the wrong doors and came to uh, find me in the foyer. And he was, oh bless him, he was so upset. He was actually quite angry as well. <laughs> he sort of gave me a little kick. Um, how dare you, Daddy, do that? And, uh, but there was cuddles and tears as well. Lostness, though, uh, for little Stevie and for the father is quite scary. Quite scary. Lostness, if you are the one that's lost in the dark, in the wrong place, not knowing where you are, not knowing where your family is, that's scary. Um, But also, it's quite scary for the parent. Now, this story Jesus tells us It is about the lost sons, but it's also about a father who's also scared. Maybe not scared, but worried, in pain, and wanting his child home. That gives us a great insight, doesn't it, into our Heavenly Father. Our Heavenly Father is not sitting up in heaven going, oh, what a mess it is all down there, but never mind, I'll just get on with what I'm doing. The Father's up in heaven, and he's scared and fretting and desiring and wanting to find his lost children. And those of us who are lost, whether we know it or not, the world, whether it knows it or not, is lost and needs to come home. Let's just have a look, shall we, at this story for a moment, because there's two, I'm going to make the argument, there's two lost sons in this story, okay? The first one is the obvious one, the one that we all know the story by, the prodigal son. Let's have a look at this younger brother, because there's two brothers, an elder brother and a younger brother. Now, the younger brother, um, he's a bit of a rascal, okay? What does he do? He comes to his father and he says to his father, let's have a look, verse uh, 12, the younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Okay, so pause there for a second. The younger son comes to his dad and says, dad, You know that in a few years' time when you die, I will inherit um, half of your um, possessions. Um, I can't really wait till then. 
could you just give it to me now so that I can go and live my life? That's a bold thing to say, isn't it, to a father? What's he really saying to his father? He's really saying to his father, I wish you were dead. I wish you were dead now so that I can get what I really want from you. And he's really saying to his father, I don't really want a life with you at home. I want to go away and live my own life. Do you see that? Now, incredibly, if I was the father, what we would expect the story to say, the father says, on your bike, that's not happening. In fact, maybe a telling off, or maybe he's going to write him out of his inheritance. Because you've asked for that, you're not getting anything. The father incredibly says, well, it says here that he divided his property between them. He allows it. He gives to that son what is due to him. This is a deep truth about the world. You see, one of the problems with our lostness, one of the reasons that we find ourselves the human condition as it is, is because at some point, all of us in our hearts and in our souls have said this to God. That we want to live our lives with what God gives us, but we don't really want him. Do you understand that sentiment? We want to live our lives how we want to live our lives. We want the good things God's given us, the world and money and possessions and houses and things like that. We want what God has, but we don't want him. We want God to move out. And then sometimes we even wonder, the world suddenly wonders, where is God? <laughs> Why isn't God in our lives more? And you say, well, hold on a second, because we didn't want him in it. The younger brother here represents that kind of teenage spirit that perhaps many of us have experienced in our own lives when we were teenagers. That idea of, we don't want our parents any longer telling us what to do. We want to go and explore the world for ourselves. We don't want them in it anymore. It's that kind of, I don't want to do life the way I'm told to do life. I want to find out for myself. Well, the, the father graciously allows that. As God does with the world, actually. God doesn't say, no, 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 sorry, the door is locked, you can't leave. The father allows the son to leave. Because he loves the son. And he doesn't want to control the son. But then we see in verse 13, it doesn't go very well for the son, does it, for the younger son? What happens? So not long after that, the younger son got together all he had. He set off for a distant country. He wanted to get as far away from home as possible. And there squandered his wealth in wild living. So he has a good time for a while. He does exactly what he wants to do. But then it starts to go wrong for him. His wealth begins to run out. Look at verse 14. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country. Look at that. It turns out life isn't as easy as the son thought it was going to be. And his resources and his abilities and his capabilities weren't enough to cope with it. And he began to be in need, verse 14. And so what happens is he then goes and hires himself out uh, to a citizen of that country who sent him into fields to feed pigs. And he becomes hungry and destitute and he has problems. 
See, the younger son thought that his way was going to be the best way, but it turns out not to be. He thought life would be limitless on his terms, just the way he wanted it, but he discovered that the world isn't easy. It can be a harsh place. And did you notice in verse 15, he's now become, he once used to be a son in his father's house. Now he is nothing more than just a slave of someone else. Verse 15, he went and hired himself out. The word there is he became a slave. And then finally, verse 16, he discovers that there's no one who really cares for him, not deep down. Verse 16, he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. No one gave him anything. The bottom line for him was there was no one who really cared for him. Now, thankfully, he comes to his senses, and we're going to be looking at that next week how he comes home and it all works out really well for him. But I just want to pause there and say that is one kind of lostness in this world. The lostness of, I want to live life my own way or my own terms and discover my own way. That sense of um, everyone feeling like my life should only belong to me and it's up to me how I live it. We've all seen that kind of lostness, haven't we? And we've all seen sorts of people get into all kinds of problems and troubles, um, addictions and pains and brokenness and difficulty and strife. We've seen that. And I bet some of us want to be able to say, well, I told you so. <laughs> I told you so. If you live your life that way, just to selfishly please yourself, you're going to come to ruin that might be our instincts with that lost son. It's not the father's instincts. He wants him home. So let's just take a pause for a moment and then look at the older brother, though. The older brother. Because in some ways, would we think he's lost? He doesn't look lost, does he? Because he's at home with his father. But we're going to see that he actually is lost. Before we just so let me just come back to the younger brother a second, uh, just to look again at his lostness. He's far from home, the younger brother, but the elder brother isn't. The younger brother has lost his freedoms. He's a slave now, but the older brother isn't. He's got the freedom of his father's house, hasn't he? The younger brother is spiritually lost. He's like an orphan. He doesn't have his father around. He's alone in life. Whereas the older brother, his father is around. Um, the younger brother is scared. He's hungry. And he realises he's in a mess. The older brother, he's not hungry. He's not in a mess. He's doing just fine. The younger brother, we could all say it's of his own doing. The older brother could say, I've done nothing wrong. I'm doing all right. And yet I'm going to show you right now how I think Jesus used this story to say he's equally lost, if not more. So let's just take a moment to look at the older brother. Now he, he's the one we like in the story, isn't he? He's the good son. And we all like a good son. We've always, the, the rotten son and the good son. 
Here he is, the older brother. He never left home. He stayed and did what was right. He helped out on his father's property. He was obedient to his father's commands. Um, He was dutiful, reliable, present, didn't make mistakes. But there's something very wrong. Look at verse 28, okay? So we would think the older brother should be happy. But he's not happy. Look at verse 28. When the younger brother comes home, how does the older brother feel about it? Well, we're told in verse 28, the elder brother became angry and refused to go in. Angry. So one of the hallmarks of the older brother is that he has anger. Underneath the surface, he's angry. Verse 29. Yes, He's living with his, in his father's house, but is he close to his father? Let's just look at that for a second. Verse 29. But he answered his father, because the father goes out to speak to the older brother. Verse 29. He answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. The older brother regards his relationship with his father as one as master-slave. Do you see that? The older brother has always felt like he is just slaving for his father. Now, I don't think that's because the father is treating his son like a slave. But the youngest, the older brother, views his relationship with his father not as one of loving closeness, but of one where if he does what the father asks, he will be rewarded. Do you see the the relationship he has with his father? He thinks that if I just be the dutiful son, not like my younger brother, then surely my father will give me a double blessing. He will give me so much. Look what he gave my younger brother. What's he going to have to give me because I am dutiful? So he slaves away for his father, trying to do the right thing. Always being good because eventually he thinks that his father will give him exactly what he does. But when he finds out that his son comes, his younger brother comes home and receives this reward from his father, he gets incredibly angry. And we can see why, can't we? Because it should be his reward. I've done the right things. I've slaved. I should get the reward. A few years ago... um, there was, a, the, uh, there was a mistake in one of the Oscars that was given out at the Oscar, the movie awards, you know, in Hollywood. Um, the Best Picture Award, the person reading out the, the announcement of who the winner was read the wrong winner. Do you remember that? And then the person came up, everyone started clapping, and the person was like, what? I've won? And came up the front and started giving their speech. Then someone embarrassingly had to come out and say, actually, you read the wrong name out. It's, a, it's another film. The younger brother must feel that way. Uh, The older brother, sorry, must feel that way. The younger brother has almost sort of won the Oscar for the best son. (laughs) So wait a second. The younger brother, who's done all that stuff, comes home and he gets the award for best son. I'm the best son. Give it to me. And you can imagine the older brother sort of wrestling the award off off the younger brother and giving him a kick. I should get the award. Okay, the older son is as lost as the younger son is. He might be living with the father, but he hasn't got a relationship with him. 
In fact, actually, he's out of relationship with his father and he's out of relationship with his younger brother. In fact, the story ends, well, we don't know how it ends because Jesus doesn't end the story, but it looks like the, the son, the younger son, is in the family home celebrating, but the older brother is outside in the field and refuses to come in. He's also lost and on the outside. Can you see that? Now, Christian brothers and sisters, it's easy for us when we're doing this homecoming Lent thing to go, oh, there's so many prodigals out there. So many lost souls that just couldn't handle life and got it all wrong. Not us who are here. We've, we've done the good thing. We've done the right thing. We've always obeyed God. We believe in God. We go to church and we're here. All right, let's find some lost ones out there and bring them in. But let's not celebrate too hard when they do. <laughs> because deep down, sometimes as Christians, if we get into the wrong spirit, we think that we're the ones that should get God's recognition because we're here. We think we're the ones that have been since childhood maybe going to church regularly, always doing the right thing, never making the mistakes, never getting into trouble, obeying God's commands, and that that's the basis that we should be recognised. And it can be hard when new people come into the church, who've never been to the church before, suddenly come to Christ, receive all this joy, and we older brothers amongst us go, Ooh, well, I hope they start behaving properly. And I hope they don't get jobs in church too quickly. They've got to earn it, like I have. Ever felt a little bit like that? Anyone? I hope they understand the traditions of who we are first before they start getting too joyful. I know it sounds silly. But have you ever had that spirit of, I should get what I deserve and God should honour me? Or put it the other way, when bad things happen to us or things, or we don't get recognised like we think we ought to, do we get a little bit angry and miffed with God? Maybe we do. See, the real danger of this story is not just that we're the younger son. The real danger for most church people who are already in is that we're more like the older brother and we can be as lost. In fact, more lost because this story, the reason that Jesus is telling this story isn't just for the younger brothers, it's mostly for the older brother. Because look at verse 1 of Luke 15, I'll read it to you. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. Do you hear that? The tax collectors and sinners, they're the younger brothers. They're all loving it with Jesus. Verse 2 though, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. See, he's, the Pharisees and the religious teachers, the older brothers amongst us, are angry with Jesus. <coughs> angry with Jesus. Angry with God. And in fact, in the end of Jesus' own story, who is it who actually kills Jesus? Who's so angry with Jesus that they will kill him? It is the older brother. It's not the younger brother. It's not the tax collectors and sinners that crucify Jesus. It's the older brother. I find that deeply sobering. Because we all think that heaven should be made up of the good people. People like me. The people like us. And when we start seeing 
the rebellious, the mess, the sinners, the people who've mucked up, the broken people, the people who've done terrible things that we are ashamed to even talk about. When we see them flocking into heaven because of Jesus, we get angry. So we can be as lost. It's a less obvious lostness, but more dangerous. See, the older brother doesn't have an identity crisis. He's not got a tragic story. He's got a life filled with meaning. He's secure in who he is. He knows what he's about. He's got he's got mission. He's got a future. He's got a moral framework. Or a rule breaker. Are you a rule keeper like the older son, a rule breaker like the younger son? To be honest, it doesn't really matter which you are. You can be as lost as the other. But there's hope for both sons. The father is watching and waiting for the prodigals. But he's also out there pleading with the older brother to come home too. Do you see that? He goes out to the older brother and pleads, come home. And so next week, we're going to be looking at how we come home. How does the younger brother come home and how does the older brother come home too? But for now, let's just take a moment to pray.